Hey, everybody, it is Trags, and this week on Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network, I welcome back an old pal, an old buddy who's been very busy down in Foxborough, but we're going to talk Red Sox. Alex Barth, real Alex Barth on Twitter. He does a tremendous job following all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sports hub. How the hell are you, Alex? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, that's all you've got to say after not, I want to get into the baseball. There's a lot, there's a lot to, we, we did the pleasantries off the air. There's a lot to talk about with this team. I I am angry. I haven't really had a chance to vent. Like you said, I've been doing mostly Patriots. You can check all that out. Roster projection up now, 98.5, the sports sub.com. But I am, I am frustrated with this baseball team tracks. I was excited. You know, me, I have a childlike joy when it comes to sports and high and bloom just took that joy right out of me. And I am angry about that. All right. So this is going to be more of a fan podcast than it is going to be (laughs) a beat reporter podcast. That's what you're telling everybody tuning this in both on YouTube, on the CLNS media network and uh, listening uh, across podcast them to CLNS. Yeah. Well, I think if anybody's ever heard me before my, my brand, my work, they know it kind of jumps back and forth between the two. There's really, you know, a a gray area. I I dance back and forth across that line. That's fair enough. Fan and reporter. So. All right. Last change now. uh, Last week on this very podcast, I had Chris Cotillo on of mass live and we looked ahead to the week of three games in Detroit four in Toronto. And I said, they have to go five and two, six and one, something like that. Uh, They needed to do well. The alarm bells went off when they lost the first game in Detroit. They obviously are not hitting with runners on second and third. Hell they went through a stretch where they were Oh, for 26 uh, with runners uh, with a runner on third base and less than two outs. That's you know, unacceptable. That'll never get the job done. Uh, but the point is they have not been hitting with runners in scoring position on that said road trip. They didn't go two and five. They went just a, uh, five and two. They went just the opposite. They went two and five. They were lucky to win the nightcap on Saturday in the uh, doubleheader featuring two seven inning games. They wanted, of course, two to one in eight innings. And Look, the concern level is through the chart, uh, through the roof right now. Uh, after they blew the seven to two lead in Toronto, Matt Barnes, their closer, gives up the three run bomb, and it was a bomb to George Springer. Uh, and they lose a punch in the gut type of game, nine to eight. They're four games behind Tampa, but right now, forget the standings. I think, Alex, what this team needs to focus on uh, is getting healthy, and that's going to be tough to do with Tampa Bay coming to town. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it. They maybe haven't had some of the guys that that they'd like to have down the stretch here, but it all goes back to that trade deadline. They needed depth acquisitions. Nobody was asking them to make a splash. There were opportunities to do it. Like, I don't know, you know, Joey Gallo. I don't know that that's a move they needed to make. Barrios, I don't know that that's a move they needed to make, but we all saw this coming. The depth was going to be what bit them if they didn't address it. They addressed it in the outfield where, yeah, they kind of needed it, but not really. They needed a first baseman. They needed a starting pitcher. And I know Chris Sale's coming back, but you don't know what you're going to get with him. Uh, he's looked very good in his rehab starts, but the pitch counts have been high. He threw 89 pitches in four and two thirds. Why don't you bring that up? Against against Worcester. And that's kind of been his MO in these rehab starts. He's maxed out his pitch count pretty early. So between him, Martin Perez coming out of the rotation, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez struggling, they need depth at starting pitching they don't have. Bobby Dalbeck's not. Oh, go ahead. Bobby, Dal- yeah, Bobby Dalbeck's not ready. I, I don't know if he's not it. 
because I saw him at the Cape on the Cape League. I've, I've seen him in a number of different stages in the minor leagues. He has a ton of natural ability. He's not ready to play in the major leagues, not for a contending team. It would be nice if they had another first baseman they could turn to. They don't. And don't get me started on Kyle Schwarber playing first base because that is a horrible idea. They have a revolving door at second base. It would be nice if they could nail somebody down there. These are, you know, in the bullpen. Matt Barnes is starting to struggle. Adam Ottavino has been on and off. I actually really like their bullpen coming into the year. But as Terry Francona says, when you think you have enough pitching, the best thing you can do is go out and add more pitching. They didn't address any of that. They thought this team, that, look, if you told me, so we're sitting here on, what is it, August 9th, that the Red Sox would be, what are they, 56 and 49, 50, uh, 65 and 49, I'd be ecstatic. But the reality is, the way they played in the early summer, they upped those expectations. What we thought this team would be at the beginning of the year and what they are now are two different things. And in this town, in this market, wearing that uniform, you don't get to just fall apart like this. That is, it happened in 2011, and they completely cleaned house. Almost everybody involved with that team was gone. This isn't on a 2011 scale yet, but, boy, they had a chance. They didn't need to win the World Series, but, boy, they had a chance to really just make a couple of small moves like they did in 2018 with Steve Pierce and Nathan Evaldi, flirt with 100 wins, and everybody would have been happy. Instead, they decided to gamble on a lack of depth. It bit them almost immediately. And here we are where all that goodwill they built up, that great summer we had, it's all. it looks like it's all going to be for naught. So they're, they've lost eight of 10 games. And uh, to your point, expectations were raised when uh, they got, I think, 24 games above 500. They were rolling along. Their offense was clicking. Uh, and then they've got, look, I knew coming into this stretch, especially out of the all-star break when they had Tampa, uh, seven times. Uh, they had the Yankees eight times. Uh, they have, uh, who else did they have? They had, oh, and Toronto, uh, Toronto, yep. they have seven times. I knew that stretch would define the second half of their season and, and the momentum going into the second half. That's what it's done. And instead of people thinking this is a team that can hold on and win the American league East, the, a lot of people wonder if they can hold on and make the wild card. And right now I would tell you, I don't think they're going to do that. This team has reminded me from the get-go of the 78 Red Sox, a team that got off to an incredibly hot start. They had that legendary 14-and-a-half game lead over the Yankees, of course, blew that. The lead in the division was certainly not that this time around. But uh, the Red Sox had that kind of lineup where you thought they just mashed people to death and their pitching would be good enough to get them to the postseason, especially uh, – in an expanded type of uh, playoff for, uh, situation that we have playoff format. Uh, that has not turned out to be the case. And they really hit uh, a big wall here uh, in uh, July and August. And I just don't think they have the depth uh, in the lineup to sustain a playoff push. And it's a shame because you mentioned this big stretch. This is supposed to be the team that gets up for big moments. That's why Alex core is here. That's why he's back here. He was, he's the motivator. He's going to get these guys up and ready for the moment. And I think between bloom kind of abandoning them at the deadline, leaving them holding the bag. Um, and then, you know, they're dealing with, it's not COVID, but there's something going through the locker room right now. We had JD Martinez, Matt Barnes, Jaron Duran placed on the COVID related IL due to symptoms. It's, the, he core is just struggling. He's struggling. It, it it feels like to get the most. He doesn't have enough pieces right now. And right. I don't, I don't know that there's enough that he can do, but this, you know, 
you, you mentioned this was going to be a defining stretch. It was almost exciting because it felt like the way Cora had the team going and it, not just the way the team was playing. It was a specific feeling of the way Alex Cora had the team going, that this was the kind of stretch that they were going to grab the opportunity and put this thing away. Right. You, it goes you know, right back to that series against the Yankees out of the all-star break. They had a chance to bury the Yankees that weekend. The Yankees probably don't get Rizzo. They probably don't get Gallo if they get swept that weekend. Instead, they opened the door. Part of me, in a bizarre type of fashion, wonders if Heim Bloom thinks that their hot start for the season did them a disservice because he had a charge from Red Sox ownership, from Sam Kennedy, uh, from everybody at the top of the organization, don't blow up what you, what you are building in the farm system. We have too many prospects that we believe are going to be legit, and we don't want you trading those chips away like David Dombrowski would. Uh, just to make one more run at a World Series. We want to have something sustainable over uh, the course of many, many years. And, you know, that is the model that they chose to build with Heim Bloom. That's, that was his charge when he was hired a couple of years ago. And uh, I don't think that's going to change. And that's why you didn't see him go out and make a big push at the MLB deadline. But isn't there a happy medium? Isn't there somewhere between Dave Dombrowski? I think he would tell you they the did that. They would they would uh, tell you that they tried to do that. You know, going out and getting getting Kyle Schwarber. The problem with Kyle Schwarber, we should address this right now before yeah. we get too far along. Jen McCaffrey reported it in the Athletic on Monday. Um, some of the other people have it out there as well. Uh, that Kyle Schwarber had a setback on Sunday. Uh, he came up with a sore left groin to go along with his tight right hamstring. So that's kind of a double whammy. It's considered, quote unquote, a minor setback. We'll see uh, just how minor it is and when we could expect to see Kyle Schwarber, who hasn't played since July 2nd. When can we expect him to return? You know, that tempered a little bit the news, the good news of Chris Sale, who was expected to make the start this Saturday at Fenway against Baltimore. So here's my thing with Schwarber in the deadline, right? I think even if you want to kind of hold together and you think you have something built, it you don't know. You just don't know. Xander Bogarts has an opt-out in his contract coming up. J.D. Martinez is on the wrong side of 30. Um, you're going to have to pay Rafael Devers soon. You don't know. I mean, Chris Sale, this could be it. He may have one year left in his arm. He's 32, like Alex. I mean, and he's throwing, and, and by all indications, he's throwing as well as he ever has physically. We'll see how that translates into games, but I would expect him to come back pretty doggone strong from this I, Tommy John. Right. It's more, I think he'll come back strong initially. It's more of a durability thing. I, you know, my point being, you don't know that you're going to be in this position again. Even if you think you have this great farm system built, you don't know if you're going to be in this position again. They could have done, I don't even know that they needed to give, they needed to give up more. I just think they needed to be more strategic about it. I don't know what Kyle Schwarber gives you. Okay. You have another outfield bat. Great. I actually, even though Jaron Duran has struggled at the plate a bit, I like what he's given you. Hunter Renfro has been good. Verdugo has been a, you know, he's had a refreshing turnaround. And then, you know, Marwin Gonzalez and, and Kike Hernandez can each play the outfield. And I, if Franchi has improved as well, you're good to go. Do you really need another outfield bat? Well, okay, he's going to play first base. That's not that easy. He's He hasn't played first base since college. He hasn't played first base in almost a decade. And it's not just you stand over there and catch the ball. You remember a couple of weeks ago, they put Christian Arroyo at first base, a position he hadn't played in a long time. First game he does it, screws up his hamstring. He's still out. He's right. still hurt. 
So it's not just, hey, Kyle, go stand at first base and catch the ball. Maybe it's one thing if they have a gold glove infield, but, you know, Xander Bogart's above average defensive shortstop. He's not, you know, I'd say, but yeah, no, but I I would say he's pretty doggone good. I'd say great. mm, I would say he's borderline great. And I'd, I'd also say that Xander Bogarts is one of the two or three best shortstops in baseball. And certainly in the first half of the season, you would make the argument he had the best uh, first half of any shortstop in baseball, uh, even better than uh, Tatis Jr. with the Padres before he got hurt. Well, I'm just like pure, I'm speaking purely defensively here. Purely from a defensive point of view, you know, Xander Bogarts, he's going to make the play he's going to make. Devers, the range is great, but his arm can be hit and miss. And second base has been a mess. I mean, they're trying Dalbeck over yeah. there. So Kyle Schwarber is going to have to stretch. Kyle Schwarber is going to have to go get some balls. And he's never done that before. So that could be a complete mess. And then what if he can't play first base? He gave up, what is it, Alder Ramirez for nothing? And I look at, you know, I look at what Anthony Rizzo went for. You couldn't have gotten Anthony Rizzo for all, all you couldn't have gotten Anthony Rizzo for Aldo Ramirez, maybe another, you know, 25th, 30th ranked. I, I would agree with you a on guy that. You can play the position you need, even if you don't want to give up that much. CJ Crone in Colorado, that team's going nowhere. 240 hitter, little bit of pop. He's played first base in the past, which should be a prerequisite for playing the position. I don't know that they need to give up Aldo Ramirez to get him. He's not as good of a player. Here, here's as my Schwarber, look, I'm going to interrupt you. Edition. Like I, yeah, I'd like to do. I'm going to interrupt okay. you. Um, I think the issue with Anthony Rizzo for a lot of Red Sox fans is the following: If you wanted Anthony Rizzo, go out and get him. Make the deal. Close it out very quickly so the Yankees couldn't come in and back- backdoor you the way they did. What the Red Sox did is. Uh, at least the impression is out there that they did this, that Heim Bloom got on the phone with the Cubs uh, and his good friend Jed Hoyer and said, okay, this is what we'd like to talk about, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't consummate the deal. And and it appeared to me and a lot of others that Heim Bloom was trying to get the feelers for a guy like Anthony Rizzo. You don't get feelers for Anthony Rizzo. Right. You pick up the phone and you say, we want Anthony Rizzo. Here's what we're willing to give you as an initial offer. And on the other end, they're either like, okay, we'll get back to you. And if they don't get back to you within, let's say two to three or four hours, then you go call them back and say, we will add whoever else to the pot. We want Anthony Rizzo. What is it going to take to get the deal done? Instead, it sounds like what happened was they had feelers out for Anthony Rizzo, but those feelers allowed the Yankees to come in and swoop them at the last second. Now you're screwed. And the guy that you really wanted, who could have really, I think sent a message throughout that clubhouse and really helped you in many different ways, offensively and defensively at first base is gone to your rival in the Yankees and the Yankees, not that Anthony Rizzo made them a contender overnight, but it changed their attitude. And you can tell that the Yankees caught fire because they're re-energized in the way they're playing, the way they're pitching, the way they're playing defense. They're eight, nine and two in their last 11 games. They are a much more focused ball club. And I think that trade had a lot to do with it. And that's why a lot of Red Sox are frustrated. They saw the Yankees go out and get Anthony Rizzo when supposedly the Red Sox were in on him at first. But again, even if you miss on Rizzo, I keep going back to CJ Crone, just get a first baseman. It feels like they panicked and they got Schwarber because he's a name and you're going to roll your eyes at me for this, but you know what the Kyle Schwarber trade reminds me of 
Yeah. So cool. he, he, here's the background. Oh. Schwarber, Schwarber has another year on his deal. Yep. Hunter Renfro, it's a, it's a mutual option, but he has another year on his deal. Hunter Renfro is an arbitration guy next year, but he's probably want to get going to want to get paid. There's a chance with the way he's playing, he's gone. So here's what I think they did. Bloom kept talking about he, he's worried about the big picture. He's more worried about the long term. Okay, we're going to lose Hunter Renfro next year. We're going to need an outfielder. This guy's available now. Screw fit. Screw what we need. We're going to get the guy who has tenure. You know what that move is? That's right. what the Patriots did when they traded for Muhammad Sanu in 2019 mm. or 18 or whatever it was. They yeah. said Emmanuel Sanders was the better option, but he only had one year of tenure. Sanu wasn't as good of a fit, but it was, hey, this is more of a long-term deal. So they went out and they got that guy. Anthony Rizzo's Emmanuel Sanders, uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber's Muhammad Sanu. That's what this trade reminded me of. And I'm not saying Schwarber's going to be bad, but the intent, that's what the intent was. It was, they weren't worried about this team. It was a purely long-term move, which is odd because again, you don't know when you're going to be back here. Kyle Schwarber's also hurt. So who knows how long-term that is? It wasn't that hard to get a first baseman. That's what I keep going back to. If I could ask High and Bloom, one question would be, I wouldn't even, you know, if you add Schwarber on his own, fine. In a bubble, he's a good move. But why couldn't you just add a first baseman? In addition what? to Schwarber, instead of Schwarber, whatever. Why couldn't you add somebody who has played first base in the major leagues, who is a even a marginally better hitter than Bobby Dahlbeck? We are talking with the frustrating and frustrated Alex Barth. <laughs> See what Am I, I did wrong there? though? Am I wrong in any of that? I got to get in this read, Alex. Will you okay. stop killing me? Yeah. Hey, sports fans, bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season in full swing, and you can track all of the action at bet online. Get all the news, latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and of course, UF, uh, UFC and MMA action. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything. You can imagine that online has you covered for all of the news scores and odds. It is the very best way to place your bets. And most importantly, it is free to sign up, Alex, before the next pitch, head on over to bet online on your laptop or your mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your numero uno deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Back with the one and only Alex Barth. Follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. He covers all things Boston sports for 98.5, the sports hub. He also does a tremendous job covering the Patriots for a lot of different folk. And um, before we get back to the Red Sox, you bring up the Patriots. What have been your biggest impressions of, of the team down in Foxborough? And, and keep this to like 60 seconds, please. Yeah, sure. Uh, defense looks really good. Uh, um, Christian Wilkerson's been my like sleeper guy on offense. I think he's been, you know, he's been a, a breath of fresh air. It's going to be a fun year. It's all going to come down to the quarterbacks. I, I like a lot of what I've seen from Mac Jones. I don't think he'll be ready for week one, but I, I see why they took him in the first round. I think he's going to be a, a sustainable starting NFL quarterback in a year or two. So, you know, uh, they're in a much better place than they were last year. I don't know that they're back to being a Super Bowl contender, but they're they're on path to be, you know, three, four-year project. They're in year one right now, but there's there's direction. There was no direction last year. It all felt like a mess. The team has direction again, and that feels very good. 
All right. Well done. Uh, I appreciate you. it. And you got it done in 60 seconds. So I can't kill you. Go. That is it, as is my want to do with you. Uh, talking Red Sox again with uh, Alex Barth of 98.5, the sports hub. What do the Red Sox need to do in this homestand? They have three against Tampa Bay, uh, three against Baltimore, and then they go to New York for a quick uh, three game series, a doubleheader actually um, a week from Tuesday, one of those two games of makeup. I think they need to go five and one at the least on, on this homestand um, to get their, you know, ship righted. Well, it's not just a homestand. They have 12 of their next 15 at home and yeah, they got to take two or three from Tampa and then they got to be, they got to take two or three from Tampa, two or three from New York, and then they got to be over 500 for the rest of it. However, they split it. They just need to win. I know some people are saying, Oh, they need to start, you know, the, the starting pitching needs to do this. The bullpen needs to do this. They need it, you know, more hit and run more this and that, whatever, honestly, just freaking win at this point. I know this is real high brow analysis here, but you get to a point where everything's going wrong. You kind of, you kind of just throw out the, the note, the notebook, you know, at this point, does it even feel like they have a strength they can lean on right now? It doesn't, it really doesn't. No, I they, mean, and I would have said Devers and Bogarts, uh, but not even they are coming through right. with runners in scoring position, which is kind of the most stunning part of all of this to me, if you ask me. It's almost, you know, more so than the record. So when you asked me, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking in terms of record. It was, what do they need to do? They need to find an identity because they don't have one right now. They had one earlier in the year. They were this good offensive team that could kind of get you punch for punch. And then if, if they got their bullpen into the game with the lead, you were in trouble. That was their identity was don't let them score early. And they were good at that. I don't know what this team's identity is right now because their pitching has been okay. You know, they played some low scoring games, but in the clutch, it doesn't matter if you get a couple guys on against them, you know, it all snowballs. So it's not like they're, they're a strong pitching team. Like you said, the top of the order hasn't been a threat. I don't know that their bullpen's the threat. They need to just find a way to win games. And I don't know what it is, but somebody or a group of players need to get hot. Somebody needs to step up. And and help the, and, and drag this team kicking and screaming into some wins because they don't have an identity right now. I think they've almost, you know, again, this is an oversimplification. I think they've almost forgotten how to win. And this well, was a team that, you know, counter to what they were at the beginning of the year, where they were all it almost felt like at times they were tripping into wins. They were winning games in every conceivable way. Now they can't find a path to a win at all. They need to just remember what it's like to win a game. Here's the problem to me. And it, and I saw this coming down the pike at the beginning of the season, early structure of the season, their starting rotation was overperforming. And I think Heim Bloom and the rest of the organization felt hopeful that this mirage we were seeing in the rotation, uh, the Nick Pavetta's, the Garrett Richards uh, could hold on for dear life. And really that's to me why they got off to such a great start. They were getting quality starts almost every single night in the rotation. When you do that, you take the pressure off your offense uh, to score runs early in games. And then you come down to your bullpen and you have this confidence the way they were playing in the first half, you're going to win close games. And that's what the Red Sox were doing uh, to a large degree. Now uh, they were Certainly they were mashing the ball. They were winning some slugfests, but they had the ability to win games late, come from behind. We know what this team has done. They have more come from behind wins still than anybody in Major League Baseball. That's been their MO all season long. But to me, the problem became 
that they didn't get enough starts, quality starts in the last month, and the pressure was put on the offense. And instead of having complimentary baseball, you had both sides of the uh, argument, both sides really uh, struggling and putting pressure on each other to pick up the other side, meaning pitching and hitting. And right. that, to me, has been a big downfall of this Red Sox uh, team. Their starting rotation has just gotten tired. You have Nate Evaldi. Uh, who is their ace, clearly, uh, with Chris Sale, of course, coming back. But Nate Evaldi, 9-7, and seven, but still an ERA north of 4 at 4.07. Uh, his whip is very good at 1.22. So he's been your ace. You have Sale coming back. And to me, that's it. That's all they have. And that's not going to be enough. So I would add... I am, you know, I've been kind of doom and gloom this whole podcast. One guy I am legitimately very excited to see is Tanner Howe. And yeah. I know he's kind of gotten roughed up a little bit here in his second stint in the majors, but he's still been very good. I think his slider's borderline unhittable when it's on. Um, you know, he's younger. So some of these older guys, even a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez who missed last year, I think they're being very cognizant right now of how many pitches those guys are throwing and they don't want to, you know, stretch him out too much. Tanner Houck's the guy who you can maybe give a little more leash just because he's younger, he's thrown less innings. So I, he's got, he's got to be a, a guy to me. Point. And I think going into that double header on Saturday, everybody was talking about game one, you got to get a win. And I'm like, game two is the game for me because if Tanner Houck comes out and he throws well, boy, is that going to be uplifting for this team? You know, you got it. It, it kind of solidifies. You got an extra arm in the rotation. I think anytime young guys, rookies come up and play well, it, you know, the veterans feel good for him. And it just kind of creates that vibe in the clubhouse. I think Tanner Houck, it, it's understated what a good performance from him could do for this team, not just on the Daisy pitches, but the Daisy doesn't because, okay, you don't get that trade deadline acquisition. That's kind of the shot in the arm that re-energizes you. So where are you getting that from? Obviously, Chris Sale coming back is the big one. But, you know, I think Tanner Houck is a guy this team can rally around as well, as long as he's pitching well. And so far he has. And we'll see if he can keep it up, obviously. But I am putting a lot of stock in Tanner Houck, Tanner Houck right now. And they weren't about to give up Tanner Houck to the Cubs for I'm Anthony glad they did. And, and, you know, that's clearly what uh, Jed Hoyer was looking for, a, a, a guy of that ilk, somebody that uh, would be an upper-level pitching prospect. And uh, I'm glad you brought up Tanner Houck because, yes, in game two, the one we talked about, the 2-1 win in eight innings, uh, he was stones. I mean, absolutely, when they needed a clutch performance with in a pressure situation on the road, he came through and they won the game um, about the only good thing that really went right in that four game series north of the border. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, they're bringing him out of the bullpen some. He, he should be in the rotation. And I think that I believe they said that's the plan now, right? With Perez out of the rotation, Perez moving to the bullpen, that's going to be how spot. And then I so guess, you, I don't know. We'll see. We'll so see you're looking at essentially a, a top three of Chris Sale, Nathan Avaldi, and Tanner Houck. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And you know what? I think and then with Nick Pavetta, who I know has been hit and miss, but he's shown some impressive stuff. If he can He's a good number rhythm, four. Right. Like he's, you know, I bumping him from three to four, I think that, you know, it just kind of lessens the impact and it helps. I, I would even put Nick Pavetta in there. And between those four guys, I've, I, in theory, I feel pretty good about that. We have to see what Chris Sale is going to be. We have to see if Howe can keep it up. He's still young, but in theory, that should be for this offense. That should be a good enough rotation for them to come back and make. It's a just amazing that we're not even considering Erod in any of this. He just has yeah. been so inconsistent. 
and it's it's really sad because he was so good in 2019. I mean, yep. he was sixth in the Cy Young voting, and he's been inconsistent his whole career. And some people are kind of writing this off as, all right, 2019 was the anomaly. This is who he is. I have a ton of trouble putting stock into this year for him. He dealt with COVID. He dealt with the heart condition. Uh, all of I, I that. don't doubt. I I don't doubt any of that, Alex. But you have to, at some point you have to judge a player by what his numbers are, right? Right, and, and, and it's and and Erod's numbers are what they are. We'll go over them again as we wrap up this podcast. But Erod this year has made twenty-one starts. He's eight and six with a five thirty-three ERA. He's got a one point four zero WHIP. It's just not going to be good yeah. enough in, in this you know division. What? As as much as I'd like to think he's closer to the guy he was in twenty nineteen than he is the guy this year. He's a pending free agent at the end of the season. And, yep. you know, I, I think he's probably better than this. Would I would I bet, you know, whatever it's going to cost to get him, what, probably $12, $15 million? Would I bet mid-teens millions that he's that guy? I don't know that I would. So you wish they had one more year team control to really figure it out. Again, I think that the COVID really, really set him back. But uh, I don't, you know, they might be out of chances. Now, the flip side of that, if, we're, if we really want to project the long term is, Brian Mata just had Tommy John and he's kind of the next starting prospect. And then Aldo Ramirez might've been the next guy. So they're going to have to go out and get somebody. I don't know that the, his replacement is in the organization. It's certainly not one of the veterans they have. It's certainly not Garrett Richards. That guy can't get out of here soon enough. That guy sucks, but you know, I, they, they might be out of time with, with Eduardo, or I guess maybe Garrett Whitlock. If there's some talk that he'll be back in the starting rotation next year, they're just managing his, his innings. Cause he had, he had Tommy John two years ago, but, um, yeah, it just it feels like Erod and, and the Red Sox, that relationship ran out of time. And it's unfortunate because he's been a fun guy to root for. The highs were high. When he was on, he was on, but it just it wasn't enough. I would agree with that. Um, what do you have planned for this week, my man? What do I plan for this week? Well, I got two more days of training camp coming up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Wednesday, kind of get ready for the for the preseason game on Thursday. Gotta take some, I gotta sleep at some point. Um, and then you're you know, young. Over- Sleep when you're weekend. dead. That's that's what my advisor in college used to tell me. I, I say that all the time. You, you know um, what that's from, correct? No. Warren Zevon. Okay. She's going to say, you, you have plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. But um, yeah, and then it's, you know, probably preseason reactions all weekend and we'll see when they get back to practice. But it's been, it's been, it's been a ton of fun last couple of weeks getting into training camp and my first one with 98.5. And it's, uh, it's a little different. Than, than when I was working with CLNS. I don't have to carry Evan's weight. I don't have him dragging me down. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I um, I know you are. I know you are. Uh, I yeah. want to uh, thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. And it's been a thrill and an honor to have old friend Alex Barth back on this podcast. He works now for 98.5, the sports hub, covering all things Boston sports. Please do follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth all one word. I'm Mike Petralia, and for Alex Barth, this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Media Network.